All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 6. We're going to continue looking at uh, the armament of spiritual warfare. Ephesians, chapter 6. Ephesians, chapter 6. And we're going to read uh, one verse, verse number 16. And we'll look tonight at verse number 16 here. It says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And so we're going to look at the shield of faith. Of course, we've looked at um, the other armaments, uh, the, the waist uh, being protected, girded with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the feet shod or protected with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then we want to look at um, tonight taking on the shield of faith. And so we want to look at this subject. Let, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we ask that for the next few minutes, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, may you, uh, Lord, help us to be equipped for the spiritual battle that we are engaged in. Lord, may you give us the strength, the wisdom that we need. Lord, may you help us to trust upon the armament, Lord, the gifts that you've given us. And Lord, may we fight, Lord, in a spiritual way, uh, Lord, the things that we are doing as Christians. And uh, Lord, may you help us to recognize who the enemy is. And Lord, may we be equipped for that day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, um, verse number 16, and it starts off and it says, above all. And uh, it really means, uh, or overall, we're saying that above and beyond all the rest of the armament. So this is saying that, You've been equipped with the armament, your waist, your breastplate, your feet. And this shield was kind of the outer layer. It was the, the first instrument of defense that a soldier would have. It w- went above and beyond the, the, the personal protection, and it was the first line. So it says, above all, uh, he's saying, listen, above all your other armament, uh, on the forefront you have this shield. And so this is our first defense. It, really, when you begin to look at this, uh, for a soldier, their shield was their first defense. It was the first thing that would be attacked, the arrows, spears, whatever came. The shield was the first piece of protection that stood between the soldier and the, uh, the warfare that was happening. So the Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Um, Again, this shield was in addition to the other protective gear, and it was the primary defense mechanism. The word translated shield occurs only here in the New Testament, and they were shields of various sizes, although for the Romans this typically was, or traditionally was a shield that was four foot tall by two and a half foot wide. And so it was a very large shield that, um, that they would use um, that again, it would. We'll look later how they treated it and how, some of the stuff they did with this shield. But it really was. It was big enough that they could crouch behind, and it would cover their entire body. So it was a. It was a shield that was meant to protect their entire body. And um, according to ancient historian Polybius, it gave protection to the whole body. It was made of two layers of wood, um, which were pieced together. They were covered with Kansas. Uh, canvas, and then there was leather on top of the canvas. It was a, for ancient times, it was a very uh, in-depth shield that they would make. 
Um, then, of course, they would soak it with water. We'll talk about that here momentarily. But before they would go into battle, they would soak the shield in water, and it would be a waterlogged shield, but there was a reason for that. And so this was, uh, it was their protection. And the soldiers typically would carry it in their left hand, their shield was in their left hand, and their sword was in their right. In 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4, the Bible says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The shield of faith. What is it that gives, protects us from this world that we might live a victorious Christian life? It is our faith. In verse number 18 of 1 John 5, it says, We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God uh, keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. Again, it's that faith, that salvation is a part of it, but then as we are believers, it is that faith in, that in God that keeps us from sin, that keeps Satan from piercing our armor and destroying us. 1 Peter 5, 9 says, Resist him, talking about Satan, steadfast in the flesh, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We are to resist the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. And so our, our faith is our shield. And uh, a commentary on Christian conflict says that a glimpse of the enemy is again uh, thought necessary. In New Testament times, darts were often made uh, with uh, tow, dipped in pitch, and then set on fire. And the wooden shield needed to be covered with leather so as to quench them quickly. The wiles of the devil that we're wrestling again in verse number 11, Paul knew to include such flaming darts. These darts can be, peop uh, can be people's arrows or their tongues. Um, shafts of impurity, selfishness, doubt, fear, disappointment that are planned by the enemy to burn and destroy. The truth is Satan has all kind of fiery darts that he will throw at us that can cause us to lose our faith, that can cause us to begin to uh, be weak in our Christian walk with God. And that's why discipleship is very important. It's, it's uh, vital that we engage in discipleship. And uh, the truth is, uh, the most, uh, I say one of the most important things or the greatest things about North Etowah Baptist Church is our Sunday school because discipleship is important for Christian growth. And you see, you ever seen people who get saved and you believe there's genuine conversion in their life, but then it don't take long and they're out of church and they have a few conflicts come in their life and before you know it they're not even serving God anymore and you wonder what happened well sometimes they just weren't grounded they weren't discipled and Satan's fiery darts got to them and their faith was destroyed and so um, and people's tongues um, impurity selfishness doubts fears disappointments all these things are fiery darts of Satan that he throws at us to try to uh, to damage our hearts and it doesn't matter if you've been saved today or if you're here and you've been saved for 70 years it does not matter Satan will throw fiery darts at your life and the moment you lower your shield you're in danger of it affecting you there's none of us here who are above being affected by Satan's fiery darts. Um, 
I won't dare do it tonight. We could stay here all night, but I could tell you of pastors and deacons and missionaries and pastors' wives and, and people in churches who have served God for years. And then Satan got a foot in their heart. And that was the end. And so we must guard our hearts. And our faith is that shield. It's the faith that overcomes the world. It is a faith that recognizes that uh, we're going to walk by faith with assurance that God fights for us. It's having faith that God is working in our life, that God is able to give us victory. We are to live by faith and that we are not hoping that we will obtain victory as believers, but we're working and we're fighting from victory, knowing that Jesus Christ has already brought the victory in our lives. And sometimes that's hard to recognize when you're in the middle of warfare, isn't it? Um, I've been in spiritual warfares, and, and you think, man, I, I don't know if this is going to work out or not, but God's already promised that he's on our side, that he's fighting for us, and so we, we are to live by faith. But then it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, uh, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. I'm going to look at these fiery darts a little bit more. Uh, a handbook of Paul's letters to the Ephesians in the commentary says, burning arrows at the end of, or at the end of these arrows, darts, uh, an inflammable material such as tow would be placed and then dipped in pitch and set on fire. Uh, the statement with it, you will be able to put out all the burning arrows, may be expressed as the shield will make it possible for you to extinguish the burning arrows, to put the fire out. Um, Fiery darts uh, have been, were arrows or darts or spears that they would literally set on fire. Herodotus says that the Persians attacked the citadel of Athens with arrows, um, which pieces of lighted tow were attached and they were shot at the barricade. Through Sidides, the Platians constructed a wooden frame, uh, which they stood up on the top of their own wall uh, opposite the mound. They also hung curtains of skins and hides in front, and these were designed uh, to protect the woodwork and the workers and shield them against blazing arrows. Livy tells of huge darts used at the siege of Saguntum, which was impaled by twisted ropes, and there were used by the Sangantines a missile weapon called Philarica, with a shaft of fur and round in other parts except toward the point um, which they would wrap in tow, and uh, they would put pitch on it, and again, they would launch it at their enemy. And so when much of their shield and armament were wood, um, they were, their biggest concern was fire. So they would march, at, shoot fiery darts or spears or cannonballs-type uh, material full of fire. And it was very uh, commonplace in this time period. And so when Paul is dealing with the spiritual warfare, he made a point to say, listen, you have to be able to uh, withstand the fiery darts. Um, there's much more I could go to here uh, historically dealing with it, but the truth is um, that temptation is thus represented and implied from a distance. Uh, Satan attacks us by indirection through good things, from which no evil is suspected. There's a hint of its propagating power. One sin draws another in its tracks. 
and the flame of the fire tip dart spreads. And that's all it takes. Sometimes all it takes is Satan finding one crack in our armor, getting through, and boy, it just spreads like wildfire. You know, the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. That can happen in a church or a home, but also that can happen in our own heart. Sometimes all it takes is Satan getting doubt in our minds. Um, have you ever struggled with that? Boy, I have. And, uh, you know, you begin to doubt God and, and you doubt God's presence or God's work in your life or whatever you're, you're praying about. And if you're not careful, it spreads all over your heart. And uh, I've got, you ever gotten so worked up over something that come to find out what it wasn't even true? We're guilty of that, aren't we? Somebody will say something and we'll hear it and, boy, our minds run wild, don't they? And we'll take a, a molehill and make a mountain out of it. And that's kind of what Satan does. He gets in and he begins to infect our heart and life if we're not careful. Faith in doing uh, away with the dependence of self takes away fuel from the dart. And so this faith says, listen, I'm not depending on myself, but I'm depending on God. And that is what begins to quench the fiery darts. Psalm 713 says, he also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. So all the way back in David's time, they were talking about those fiery darts. And they were used and how those are, are, can affect and cause great destruction. But it says that we should be able to quench the fiery darts. We should be able to quench them. For the shield nothing shall be able to resist. For hearken to what Christ said to his disciples. If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. In Matthew chapter 17. And so we find... Matthew 17, 20, that just a little faith will move the mustard seed. Now, with the faith of mustard seed, will remove mountains. And so what would happen with these shields is they would take them, and because they knew that they were going to be attacked by fiery darts, flaming swords, fire was going to be launched at them. And so what they would do is, although they had leather on the outside of the wood to protect it, they would take and they would soak... Um, their shields in water prior to battle so that if for some reason the fire got through the leather it wouldn't um, it wouldn't get into the wood and set it on fire and so we look at scripture and again John I won't go to it tonight for sake of time but in John we find that um, the Bible says that Jesus dealing with this Samaritan woman and she asked for water and what did he tell her he said, I'm the living water. And so that shield was soaked in water, um, and that water is what protected it, our faith. And so our faith in that shield, I think, correlates with it's the faith not in ourself, but Jesus Christ, he is the living water. And so our faith is not faith in ourself. And this is where we have to be careful because a lot of times we talk about faith, but a lot of people put faith in themselves. At Christian, as Christians, we have to be careful where we place our faith. Our faith is not in tradition. It's not. Our faith is not in man-made customs or rules. It's not. 
Our faith is not in buildings. Our faith is not in a preacher or a teacher or a mother or father. Our faith must be in Jesus Christ. And we sure, most importantly, we better not have faith in ourselves. But that's what society's trying to teach. The world's trying to tell us that, listen, just believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You've got the potential. You've got the power. You can do whatever you want. Just believe in yourself. But as Christians, the Bible does not teach that whatsoever. Our faith is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to saturate ourselves, our faith in Christ, and to know that it is He that we are depending upon. Listen, we are in a spiritual warfare. My own heart, I have to guard my own heart. And, uh, you know, Satan would love nothing more than to cause my faith to be decreased. He'll try to bring doubt up in my life. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean that I don't ever uh, struggle with doubt. It doesn't mean that my faith is always the pinnacle of faith and I set the standard. I want to be the standard. I do. But I'm not always the standard. Sometimes my faith falters. Sometimes my faith is not what it should be. And Satan's looking for those moments. He's looking for those moments. I had a pastor friend who has been deceased now for many years. Um, He was a grandpa to me. I called him grandpa my whole life. He was one of the dearest friends I ever knew. As far as I, I was concerned, he was a spiritual giant. And um, growing up, I didn't know the backstory. I was just a kid. My dad would go preach for him um, two or three times a year up in Kalispell, Montana. And uh, we would go to Montana, and they had a Christian school, and dad would preach for him. And, and um, I always just knew him as Grandpa Blackburn, Brother Gene. He was my hero. He really was. Later on, come to find out that one of the reasons him and my dad were such good friends, and he was a good bit older than my dad, probably 20 years or better older than my dad, but they were best friends. And uh, one day, Dad had preached for him a time or two and said he just had Brother Gene on his heart. And he picked up the phone and said, Hey, Brother Gene, how are you doing today? He said, I don't know why, but you're on my heart. God just wanted me to call you and, and tell you that I'm praying for you and I love you. Well, he was in his church office with a Christian school and a staff and things going well. And he broke down weeping to my dad and said, I've just come so discouraged. Satan's told me that I was doing no good. That he said, Brother Terry, I'd given up. He said, you don't know this, but I've got my pistol on my desk right now. I was getting ready to pull the trigger when the phone rang. God was using him in a great way. But a little fire, a little fiery dart pierced the armor. And said, give up. God used him for the next 30 years of his life in a wonderful way. 
He was my hero, and he still is, even though I know the story. What I'm saying is, we better guard our hearts. Our faith must not be in our circumstances. We can look around our circumstances and go, listen, man, if this is the end of it, if this is all there's ever going to be, What's the point of fighting? What's the point of trying? What's the point of keep pressing forward? Preacher, I've tried. You don't know. We take one step forward. We go two steps back. It feels like I can't make progress. I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm done. Don't put faith in yourself. Don't put faith in your circumstances. As believers, our shield is the shield of faith that we can say God's got this. He's in control of my life. It doesn't matter if I go backwards, sideways, upwards, downwards. It doesn't matter. He is in control of my life. And as long as I'm living to please him, he's going to take care of the rest. The fiery darts, the wicked. Listen, none of us here are above discouragement. Um, I don't know what deep depression is, but and I've shared this, I think I've shared this one time here. Um, but my wife and I, we were missionaries. We were serving in the Philippines as missionaries, and um, we did not go with the IMV. We had went through an independent mission board. And uh, so what we did, we went to churches around the country, all over the, uh, all over the U.S. and a few other countries as well. And uh, we raised support and... Uh, Churches would sponsor us fifty to hundred dollars a month or so, and till collectively we had enough money to go to the mission field. Well, we got to the mission field, and for some reason, everybody told us, "Listen, whenever you get there and you get to the mission field, a lot of churches that you've been to that didn't support you, they're going to sponsor you after you get to the mission field, and it's going to be great." And we you know, just go and trust the Lord, and we were so excited, and we went to the mission field, and uh, that's not what happened at all. What happened was half of them quit sending any money at all. And all of a sudden, we get to a third world country, and my wife can tell you, I'm not poor mouthing. God has been good to me, and I never dreamed that, you know, that God would have done in my life what he has. But for a time, um, I remember there were a few Sundays. We're on the, in a third world country living around deep poverty, and the poor people took these little carts that were next to a motorcycle because they were just pennies to take a ride and that's how the, the really poor people um, that had to go any distance they, they would travel they wouldn't ride the big jeeps the jeepneys or taxis they would ride these little uh, taxi cabs and uh, or motor car cab motorcycle cabs and uh, we had got down we were riding them to church we couldn't afford but there were two or three Sundays we got to the point where we could not even afford one of those to go to church we had to stay in our in our little house we couldn't even afford to go to church. People just quit sending money. And we were, we didn't even know how we were going to, we got to the point where, listen, we'd go home, but we didn't even know how, we can't even afford to go home. We're stuck. And then one of the pastors we were working with, he got so been out of shape wanting money from us. And we're like, we have nothing to give you. And they began to gripe and complain. We had a pastor get up and tell us, listen, you're here as an American. We don't need Americans here. Uh, we, can do it be- we can do ministry better than you are. Just go home and send us your money. And there's a whole lot of circumstances that begin to Satan was throwing fiery darts at me left and right. I would love to tell you that my faith was so strong that it didn't affect me. 
But I'd be lying to you. Satan got a foot in my heart. And um, there was a time there for a couple of months where I would sleep during the day, stay awake all night. I was in depression. I was in pretty dark depression. And thankfully, God rescued me from it. But the problem was is that I'd got my eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd got my eyes on myself. Look at my circumstances. Look at my situation. I've drugged my wife halfway around the world, quit a great paying job, left our family, drug her away from everything she knew, and we're over here on the back side of the world starving to death. And I began to throw a pity party for myself. And I'm not saying all that to, to tell you my story because I only say this to say when I got my eyes off of myself, and got my eyes back on Jesus, God began to turn things around in my own heart. And the story's not about me, it's about him. We, it don't matter if you're a missionary, think, well, man, you've sacrificed everything. We had, we had a yard sale and sold everything we ever had. I don't have but just a couple little trinkets left from when I was a kid. We sold everything to go to the mission field. And you think, man, after all that, uh, boy, your faith is going to be so strong, nothing will affect you. <laughs> yeah, it did. I quit my job. We went out full-time in ministry. How much money a month do we have coming in? Do you remember? $100 a month. I quit my job with a new wife and $100 a month income. And God, for the next three years, met every need. And we got to the mission field, and then my faith gave way. <laughs> that, that sounds foolish, don't it? Looking back now, I think, boy, what a dummy. God brought us through all them three years, and we get to the mission field, and then I thought God was going to fail me then. You have to carry the shield of faith. Because they are fiery darts that Satan is throwing at us constantly. We're barraged by them day in and day out. It's not just one. Sometimes it's a whole, uh, this cloud seems dark from all the arrows that have been thrown our way, don't it? There are some days we're just, we're attacked. But our faith in Jesus Christ is what's going to keep us with our head held high. And, and I'm not saying that I am above having fiery darts still get to me. I'm not above getting my eyes off Jesus, but I have learned through the school of hard knocks that I'm better off just trusting in him. He's never let me down, and with him as my shield, when I keep him first, when I keep him in front of me, and I keep Christ the center of my life, Satan can't touch me. It's only when we put Christ to the side, we take our faith in Jesus and we let it down that we expose ourselves to the fiery darts of Satan. Well, that's all I'm going to get to tonight. Um, and next week, we've just got a couple weeks left. We've got the shield of, uh, the, well, we've got the shield of faith tonight. We've got the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. And so everything here we have is defensive except for one. 
the, which is the Word of God, the sword um, of the Spirit. And so we want to look a couple more weeks of this study. And I, I don't know why we're going through this other than I felt impressed by the Lord to discuss it uh, with you because I feel like we're in a spiritual battle. And we need to have our heart and our minds ready for the Lord to work.